welcome to the Audit 15 Fund podcast. My goal of this podcast is to bring relevant internal audit topics to the table at least every 15 days. Today, I have the honor to have as my guest, James Patterson. He's a former chief audit executive and former HR professional and author of the book, Beyond the Five Whys. Welcome, James, to the podcast. It's an honor to have you on. Yeah, John, thank you so much. And it was lovely to see you at the international conference as well. And thanks for arranging this. Really looking forward to talking to you and appreciate what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. You had a, a session on root cause analysis, which I unfortunately was not able to attend because the room was full, <laughs> which is a good sign. And I, I really wanted to have that conversation with you because you, you talk about root cause analysis. And one of the things that you you cover as well, not only root cause analysis, but culture, auditing culture, which with your background as a former HR professional, it's something that you can speak to from experience. So I do have a few questions here for you. And the episode today is going to be about auditing culture and we'll relate to that root cause analysis as well. So James, let's pretend that you are assigned a project to audit culture. What are some of the key areas that you would cover as part of that project and how would you go about testing them? Yeah. So if somebody says to me, James, can you audit culture? The first thing to do is to get your head around the fact that culture is very big. And um, we've got the question of what does that mean? Okay. So speaking very simply, you've got things like do we have a culture that accepts um, diversity and inclusion? Do we have a culture that's okay to blow the whistle with no retaliation? Do we have a culture where new ideas and changes in process are accepted? Do we have a culture where bad news can be uh, accepted? And so on and so forth. So the first thing you need to do when somebody says, can you please look at the culture, is, well, what bit of culture do you want me to look at? What's on your mind by asking me to look at the culture? Is it, and let me just give you some practical examples, because I've just finished a, a day's online training today. Is it that in the culture, we keep seeing issues which already identifies creates action plans, but three years later, same problem arises again. <laughs> and then a similar problem arises again. And the cultural problem is things get fixed and then they fade away, right? Is that the cultural issue that we're worried about? Or to give you another example from today, two companies are coming together and we may not join up the best bits of what one company has, and we may not get rid of the worst bits that the other company has when we join together, or we may have inconsistency, which may, for example, be of concern to the regulator. So the cultural issue is that the way the companies comes together it's a regulatory problem, and that's what we need to worry about, okay? And I could go on, uh, for example, also from today, somebody in a retail environment said, we have a really strong profit and earnings and margin culture, 
and that's a good thing. But what it's doing in his experience in audit is it's generating sometimes corner cutting. And so what do we do? And corner cutting can be things like, so, so for example, this is from today. If fridges for frozen foods have gone off overnight, if we're being truly ethical and we're doing what we should do, we should dispose of all the stuff that was in the fridge that is effectively or hasn't been kept cold. Or do we turn the fridge back on, pretend it never happened and sell it at a profit? Okay. So the first thing to say is that when it comes to auditing a culture, you have to decide which bit of the culture am I going to audit? And then if we're now saying I'm going to audit the consistency issue, another one, uh, let's just do the final one from today. I mean, there've been many, but another one today was after COVID, we totally changed our working arrangements so that people could work from home. Right. Okay. Flexible working, Zoom meetings, and people only turned up in the office when they wanted to. Pretty much. Now, people are starting to think, hey, it's been a long time since I've seen Kathy or John in the office. You know, and a free-for-all that we had in COVID, we're going to write a new policy and we're going to say that the good old days of working from home are over and you need to be back in the office on a Tuesday and Wednesday. Okay? For example. And you can no longer uh, work totally flexible and have that Friday off that you used to. And the cultural issue, and everybody's talking about it, and the cultural issue is we have imposed this change on the organization and some people are not happy about it. And therefore, are we going to lose people because we're no longer giving them those arrangements that they were totally happy with before? And so the question becomes, how would you tackle the cultural implications of no longer allowing working from home in the way that we used to? Okay. John, anything on that? Because otherwise I'll turn to the second part of your question, which was a great question, which is, so what might be, let's say, the working plan, work program arrangements, if we are now going to start looking at a piece of culture? But anything else? So far, yeah, no, I think you 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 cover it well. It's it's a big culture is too big, right? So what you what you mentioned there at the beginning is this key is what piece are you actually going to look at? So let maybe let's focus on the last example there that you mentioned, which is remote work. So let's say that's the area that we choose, and then we can move to the second piece of the second part of the question, which is how would you go about testing that? Perfect. So, if you remember the good old IAA standards, the IAA standards say, are we doing an assurance or are we doing an advice? Mm. That's the first thing we have to decide. And the IAA standards say, our work must bring value and be insightful. That's in the standards. Mm -hmm. The IAA standards at tw uh, standard 2000. Standard 2050 says internal audit needs to be coordinated 
with other parts of the organization. And the standards also say that we should do risk-based internal auditing. Okay. Mm -hmm. So internal audit is clever and internal audit does a work program on uh, the fact that the working from home arrangements have changed and people are not happy. And internal audit say, we've spoken to this person and this person and this person, and they're not happy that the working arrangements have changed. And senior management goes, yeah, we, we knew some people weren't going to be happy that the working arrangements have changed. We knew that. So what are you saying here? Okay. And what we start to get when it comes to that work program, John, that you were talking about is what is the big risk in this issue that people are no longer happy with the change in the working arrangements? Mm-hmm. And suddenly, when you dig a bit more, what you discover is when this new policy, and this is true, this is all from today, right? You don't know who it is, so it doesn't matter. So that's great. When this new policy was introduced, the policy said, but if you have small children under the age of two, okay, if you have some other um, illness or disability-related issue, you can be an exception to this change in the arrangements, okay? So in other words, already the HR function had done a bit of risk assessment, which is good, right? and said, we can't just impose this on everybody. There have to be some areas where people say, you're effectively retaliating, you're picking on us, you're discriminating. So this then raises the issue of would be a big risk is changing the arrangement somebody who would then raise a claim against us. Or from another perspective, a big risk would be we've got somebody who doesn't have underage children or a disability, but they are our cyber expert. Or they have a really key role on a project and they know how everything works. And we suddenly say, sorry, you know those arranged, we're totally happy with them and they're a really rare skill. And we suddenly say, Sorry, you need to change. And they go, well, if that's what you think, I'm going to another company, right? right? So what we start to get is when it comes to the work program is we have a risk, which we've clearly thought about, but the risk is partly discrimination. It's also we lose really good people. So what has the organization done? to identify really important people because of, because a few internal auditors who say, oh, I'm really unhappy, no longer being able to work from home. It's like, geez, you know, if you don't like it, we'll have to live with that. But that cyber expert, the problem. So suddenly we can take that risk and we can ask the question. So this back to the work program. Have you identified the risks from implementing this policy? And have you identified, for example, people who might be a flight risk? And what have you done about that? Mm-hmm. And then they say, uh, well, we sort of mentioned that behind the sea, 
that if there are people who are specially valuable, uh, then they can raise an individual request for an exception. Okay. And then it's like, well, so are you doing that reluctantly or are you doing it saying there may be some critical roles where we will be openly welcoming, not changing everything that we would because we really don't want to lose that cyber person. And what I want to stress here when it comes to the work program is take your area, which we've already boiled down, and keep boiling it down and asking the question, has the executive thought about this risk? Has the HR department thought about this risk? Is there an exceptions process? Are managers talking to staff? I mean, the obvious thing is you implement a policy and then you look to see whether you've got more departures than you had before. Right. That's too right. late. Yeah. You lose three cyber people, you're in trouble already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you need the leading indicators, which might be we're particularly interested in the CISO and this project and that project to flush out whether any of their staff are going to be concerned because we can't afford from a business point of view to lose any of these people. Yeah. And and the issue about auditing it is, and I would say, do you really want to audit it or do you want to advise, is for us to say, does it feel like the organization has properly thought through the behavioral risks mm -hmm. for people who have a particular importance for the business strategy, for the business objectives, or from a regulatory or compliance or other reason? And what we're doing here is we're using our good old common sense risk assessment, so what skills mm -hmm. to turn this abstract issue into, if we get this wrong, this has really got business consequences. Right, right. So that would be an example where you might have interviews, but you might ask to see the policy. You might want to understand whether any particular groups in prioritized. And always, always, always to take culture and break it down to people and groups of people and behaviors where if they don't do what we want them to do, we're going to have a business risk. Mm -hmm. The value from internal audit is getting a senior manager or HR department to say, geez, you're right, you know, actually getting uh, exceptions here may not be such a bad thing. Right, right. We keep really valuable people in the organization. Yeah. I love that answer, James. And what you mentioned at the very beginning of the answer, which was internal audit has to provide value and insight, right? And what you mentioned at the end, if you're looking at the past data and it already happened, that's too late. You need to look at the leading indicators. And I also like your approach about asking the questions, right? It's you're asking one question after another, and that's how you kind of come up with how you can t go about testing. So I, I love that answer. I do want to go jump to the second question here, James, which is very common also in the internal audit profession, in my opinion, that culture is sometimes blamed as the root cause for many, many issues. Oh, we have an issue in this area. Yeah, the culture in that department is not the right culture or the com or the cult culture for the organization in that area is not the right culture. Whatever it is, culture is the is the to-go 
blame area for many, many people. How do you differentiate between when culture is a symptom of something and when culture is the actual root cause of something? Yeah. And I totally agree with you, John, and agree that you often hear this comment about the culture or the risk culture is the root cause. And then another thing that you often hear is that the tone at the top, which might be viewed as a subculture. So typically I would say when people are referring to the tone at the top, they're talking about the subculture of senior managers, right? So here's how I would tackle this. When you speak in culture or tone at the top terms as a cause, you are often onto something. You kind of know there's a behavioral dimension to the problem. But there's important things I'd like to emphasize when it comes to um, root causes. Root causes are the reasons why something's happened. Okay. So if you say, well, the culture has allowed people to avoid their responsibilities and their accountabilities, the culture has allowed people to not report this properly. You go, well, that's a what the culture, but why has the culture allowed people to all do this? And then you say, well, the culture was caused by a bad tone at the top. And then you say, well, why do we have a bad tone at the top? And what people can get tempted to do is, oh, well, that senior executive's got a bad attitude or the CEO should have done this. And now we've moved from culture to tone at the top to a person. Okay. Mm -hmm. And a person is a who. A person is not a why, mm. right? So whilst it's really helpful, even if you go to the CEO and go, the CEO got the bad attitude, you've got to say, well, who appointed the CEO? Who's been performance managing the CEO? And of course, the answer is, well, the board. And then you go, well, let's blame the boards, right? <laughs> and what you start to realize is we're somehow, we're getting closer, but we're also not really getting down to why do we have a culture that is like this? Okay. Mm -hmm. So this is one of those chicken and egg things, John, about symptom and cause. And the real answer, which we don't have enough time to get into, is that culture is a psychological phenomena. So for example, if I'm afraid about my boss or I'm afraid what the group is going to say when I say something they don't like, psychologically, I will feel a pressure to keep my head down and not say what I really should say. So officially, we should speak up. But in the room with my boss and my colleagues, I'm just going to keep quiet, okay? Right. So there's a, psych there's a psychological, sociological component to culture. But there's also like a systemic component to culture. So, for example, I do speak up to my boss and I say to my boss, I'm really worried about this aspect. And the boss says, okay, yeah, you're right. What are you going to do about it? 
And suddenly it's come back on me. It looks like I'm not in control. And then suddenly I'm going to go, well, what I'd really like is I'd like another person to help me work on this. We don't have enough resources to help you do this. So you've raised an issue, but the budgeting system and the resource system is basically making it difficult for you to make progress. So culture is a psychological and a systemic phenomena in organizations. If you suddenly have a brand new boss with a new set of targets, or you have COVID-19, or you have a new cost savings program in an organization, the culture in your part of the organization is going to change in two weeks. Got it? Yes. Yeah. Because the system is now worrying about costs, the system is now trying to lay off people to downsize and suddenly people are going to behave differently. Right. So this issue of, is it a chicken or is it an egg? Sometimes it can be a symptom, but often there'll be other aspects that are causal and actually what you need to do, and this is an, an issue for root cause analysis, maybe for another time, <laughs> is to unpick what are the causal factors that are driving the culture? And that might be things like, how does the reward system work? How does the budgeting and the prioritization system work? How does the organization proactively address accountability gaps? Mm -hmm. What I see all too often, and I'll stop in a second, John, is audit goes into a complex area, starts auditing, and then the manager says, actually, you don't need to talk to me. You need to talk to them over there. And then you go over there and they go, well, actually, yeah, that's partly us, but the IT department has got a role. And what you experience as an auditor is unclear roles and responsibilities. Yeah. Right? Yep. And in the end, that turns out to be one of the reasons why something's not being done properly. Okay. Yeah. You are often the canary in the coal mine seeing the accountability problem but there's no kpi or kri flashing up going by the way we've got unclear roles and responsibilities here there's no metric that anybody else is looking at going by the way we've got unclear roles you see it in your audit work but the organization doesn't have a measure of unclear roles it just has them yeah. Okay. And this is a good example where the unclear roles is a cultural phenomenon. We have a culture of unclear roles and responsibilities, but then there are other reasons why the organization may have unclear roles and responsibilities. Okay. So this is a great question. And in a way it shows the depth and complexity of what appear to be, you have this expression, which I love in America motherhood and apple pie it's motherhood and apple pie to say it's the culture it's the risk culture it's the tone at the top but actually as good auditors we ought to be saying to ourselves, there's more to it than that what's really going on that's driving this culture and it will get into systemic and psychological factors yeah yeah it's 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 a very complex topic no doubt about it I like what you. I like many things that you said there. I'll, I'll highlight a few things that you mentioned. How does the budget process works? 
at your organization that can drive culture? How does the reward system work in your organization that can drive culture? And there's one key thing that you mentioned there too. How is your organization proactively addressing accountability? That's a big one. Because if you can't answer that, then you may have culture issues that are going on and you're always going to have them because nobody's addressing accountability. So really love that answer. And I think there's some, some food for thought here for the internal audit community. Last question for if you, I, James. If I, if I can just interrupt you for a second, because you yeah. made me think of something, John, and I think it's really good. So very often, and this is the power of auditing, you will find a problem, you will make some short-term remediations, and you'll make a recommendation. Please ensure in future that the accountabilities for this area are clear on a go-forward basis, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a really good example of that insight that you talked about, right? Mm -hmm. But the further issue that I just want to add is, but did we get to the bottom of why the accountabilities were unclear in the first place? <laughs> and are there any other areas where yeah. the accountabilities are unclear, where when we do an all in a year or two years time, we're going to find pretty much the same thing. So what you can see there is that bigger issue of, and do you know what? This is the fourth time that we've had to make an accountability recommendation. The theme of we're making accountability recommendations is raising a bigger governance issue for the organization, which is, is our organization doing enough to keep track of where accountabilities are going less clear? And what's one, I hope this is helpful, John, because it's stimulated by what you said. And what we've got here now in the global internal audit standards that are currently being worked on is two things. Number one, root cause analysis is looking strongly like it's going to be in the global standards in future. Mm -hmm. And number two, at the moment, it's looking strongly like thematic analysis is going to be uh, relevant. And this is why... If you do good root cause analysis and good thematic analysis, which it looks like the standards are going to be asking us to do, this is going to be another way to get into cultural problems, like that good old accountabilities one that you mentioned. Yeah. So I just wanted to join that all up there to show how the fact that you've raised this question, the fact that the Global Institute is planning to do the things it's doing, is all going in a good direction so that we can really help to push the organization where it needs to go. Yeah, absolutely. And I like what you mentioned there about, you know, sometimes those issues get repeated. And I actually heard this from another audit professional that if your issues are repeated or if you're having to have the same type of action plan over and over, you're not really addressing the root cause. Because it's still happening. So really, really good food for, food for thought and there for the community. Exactly. And you're not really changing the culture. Right. Because, because you're seeing repetition almost by definition, that's telling you that the culture's not really changing. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, that, that's a pet peeve of mine of like, oh, just copy the action plan from last year. Can't do that. <laughs> All right, last question for you here, James. And this, we can talk about, you know, obviously you have the uh, HR experience there, you have the audit experience, and it, it can be from any of those experiences. 
can you think of any examples, anything that you can share that, you know, on the surface, it seemed like a small cultural issue, but when you really dug deep and it turned out to be much more than a small cultural issue. Yeah. So, um, oh, so many different directions to go in. So I'm going to do a couple of things so you can remind me. I'm going to do a business continuity issue. And I'm going to do uh, not remediating things properly issue. Okay. So, and this could be procurement, it could be, but we'll do business continuity. So we have an organization that's very IT dependent. And keeping business continuity plans up to date is very important. Testing them, making sure that they're working. And the company policy is every year we should test business continuity plans properly. Do a full-blown business continuity planning, disaster recovery uh, arrangements. Mm -hmm. And we go and visit a subsidiary and we discover it's been six months since the uh, business continuity plan had been done. And the subsidiary says, but do you know what? And by the way, this could, of course, be a location. It could be a, a depot in California, a depot in Florida, whatever. And they say, do you know what? We've just had a management change. We've got a whole load of staff, who, uh, staff who've been ill. So look, the fact that we haven't done our business continuity planning for the last few months, you know, it's no big deal. Uh, we'll, we'll get onto it and it'll be done in the next couple of months. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so audit agrees that that's what should be done. We should do the business continuity plan or in the next three months. And then a little bit later, there's another business continuity plan in another location, which is two months behind or nine months behind. And you start to go, because what you'll get is you'll get the individual person going, come on, you know, it's only a one-off. It's only us. We've got reasons. Give us a break. <laughs> right. right? Um, to your point about little things that add up to something, it's like the real issue here isn't just that that unit was six months behind. It's the fact that nobody knew it was six months behind. Yes. Okay. Nobody granted an exception. Oh, yeah, that given your staff shortages and given your change, you're okay. They just didn't do it and nobody knew. And the question becomes, to your point about there's a bigger issue, the question becomes, and this is what we're starting to do in on the audit team, how many other locations are there where the business continuity plan is three months behind, a month behind, and so on behind. Because then the risk to the organization isn't that just one location is behind. It's that many locations are behind. Right. So now the risk to the organization is much greater because the chance is that we may have a business interruption in half of our locations. And the fact then that the plans aren't up to date. And I would say when you start getting into cultural work or root cause analysis work, and it's, what, it's why your question is such a good one, one of the tricks to say is, is this truly a one-off or is this an example of something that might well be happening all over the place? Mm -hmm. And one approach culturally 
is you as the audit team say, we need to now do a whole audit program on all of the locations and their business continuity plans. Or you say, hang on a minute, three lines. Let's talk to the CISO, the CIO, whoever it is that's responsible for whatever. Do they know how many other business continuity plans are behind schedule? And yeah. it doesn't need us to do a whole load of audits. We need to say, actually, we think we're on to a bigger issue. Have you thought about how many and do you have an exceptions process? Okay. So that's one example, um, just as an example. And this could be people not following the procurement process. Right. It can be sales and marketing practices that aren't standard. And then you get, how come this compliance function didn't know, or the risk function didn't know, or the IT head didn't know, or the procurement head didn't know? You can see that that little issue actually starts to become a bigger issue. So it's the difference between the current issue now and the potential future impact of that kind of issue if it were to be replicated. Mm -hmm. And does anybody know that it couldn't be replicated? Now, the final thing I'd say, and sorry if I'm going on, but I'm hoping this is helpful for your uh, viewers and for everybody. And that's part of your passion. My passion is to get people thinking. Is the issue about we uh, raised issues, we gave them good action plans, and we've now followed up and they haven't really implemented that action plan or properly. And you can then say, actually, we didn't really mean that. You need more documentation on this and you need to do that. And you can view this as an individual instance where we made a recommendation and they didn't do exactly what we wanted them to do. Mm -hmm. Or you can say, we had that situation there where they didn't fully implement the action plan that we thought we'd agreed. And we've got this situation here and this situation here. Maybe there's a lesson for us in audit. Are we being precise enough about the evidence and the verification requirements we need? Yeah. Prove that something has been closed off properly. So rather than kind of getting used to, oh, here they go again, it's there for yet another time when those, you know, nitwits haven't implemented the action. It's like, could it be that we are not being clear enough and tough enough with them and having a more difficult conversation up front, but with a view to making it much less likely that they won't do what we'd have wanted them to do. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it, another aspect of this is very often, and I'm sure a lot of your viewers are doing this already, and I'm sure you've seen this, John. If we're recommending quite a substantial package of actions over 12 months involving a several departments, do we need to, rather than just phoning them up after three months saying, how are you doing? What a deadline in 12 months. Are you on track? Oh yeah, we're on track. Don't worry. And then two months before the go live date, oh, actually we run into a bit of difficulty with the systems upgrade. Uh, we're running into budget difficulties. We'll be a couple of months late. Can you grant us an extension? Getting more into maybe we should have imposed firmer interim milestones 
between the finish of the audit and the final big deadline and say, so did you agree the new process after three months? Did you agree the budget for the systems upgrade after six months? Did you get it testing and stabilizing after? Do you see what I mean? And yeah. to your issue, individually, they didn't complete the audit issue. Seems very minor, but actually there's a bigger behavioral and cultural thing. We in audit need to be more disciplined and more rigorous, and that will then help the business be more uh, right first time in remediating things. So yeah. these have been great questions, John, and you, you gave them to me and I thought these are great <laughs> questions and it shows you how much there is to them, but that would be my, my answer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, master class there on getting to the root cause. And I really love your answer. The first part of your answer and the second part, but the first part, what you highlighted there, maybe there it's a one-off situation, but is it truly a one-off situation? And how did how is this allowed to happen in the first place? Can that's how you can get to the root cause, right? And and I I think you have a really good point there on mitigating or action plans. There's always a lesson for auditors if stuff is being recommended. You know we're agreeing with, on an action plan with the management, and it's not being acted upon. There might be a lesson for us there. And I, and I, I've run into this before and I'm sure uh, people from the audits have run, run into this before and you, 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 you can use that information as you work on future action plans. So really appreciate you being on the podcast, James. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you again so much, John. Thank you.